0: Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaVerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you.
1: Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Okay, my final hour with you as guest host here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul. Maybe after today, Ryan, they're kind of going to be happy about that after all the dad jokes we've been doing. It. Come on, Father's Day's a Sunday. You gotta. You only got one hour left, though, Paul, so okay. don't leave anything in the tank. If you have any great ones you need to share, just do it. Don't feel bad about it. Well, did you hear the rumor about butter? I have not heard the rumor. Well, don't spread it. That's all I can say. But if I... Great start to the hour. There we go. (laughs) Hey, if you have a dad joke, feel free to share it with us on the text line 877-933-2484. I mean, how many uh, dads? You've been keeping count, haven't you? I think we're at at least eight or nine, Uh, if not maybe ten at this point. I think we got a few more in us, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know Adam Holtz, when he joins us, has a few. He's a dad jokester big time, if I understand correctly. But we'll get to him in a bit. All right. The world of AI, because as we pray the news... There's been a lot of uh, talk about AI, a lot of concerns raised. As a matter of fact, now going across the pond, as they say, to uh, Europe, the uh, European Union taking the first major steps to regulate AI uh, and something that I'm sure many countries are going to keep an eye on, maybe even do something similar, and there's been calls for that here in the U.S. If I understand correctly, their system calls for a kind of like a three- or four-tier system because some AI is pretty innocuous like okay you do a google search we've all we all do that or almost all of us do that i mean you know we're kind of happy to be able to do that um that's cool i mean there, there's a, the things that you know you're 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 talking with a friend uh about i don't know toasters and all of a sudden what comes up on your social media feeds ads for toasters it's like really so it's like they're listening. It, th- there's stuff like that. But also when you're getting into the world of chat GT, uh, GP, uh, Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> when you get into that, I mean that's a whole nother thing and people are concerned about. So it'll be interesting how that happens. Now, some other interesting news on the AI front yesterday No, two days ago we talked with Heather Zeiger uh, uh, about the chat sermon, uh, the chat GPT sermon that was actually generated. Not just the sermon text but they had an avatar up in the screen this happened in germany where a ai generated personality delivered a sermon and uh, you know had mixed uh, mixed response to that well somebody else and i saw the tiktok video about this a guy asked ai to generate a sermon based on the book of revelation to but also how AI could factor into the end times, and it did write a rather provocative sermon uh, where it could, it it talks about the deceptions and such and how AI could play into that, but then it did end out well, the sermon did, because it talked about how we as Christians are to trust in the Savior, because in the end he, and it's like, wow, Okay, fairly well-written sermon there. And another one that—this one excites me. Now, Ryan, do you have any liking for the music of the Beatles?
2: I mean, they're all right, but I wouldn't say I grew up listening to them a
1: lot, so. You need help. (laughs) Yeah. That was—yeah, there you go! (laughs)
2: Yes!
1: (laughs) I know that one. You know that one. Okay, that's that's good. That's good. Anyway— There's a few songs, actually one song that was being worked on right before the Beatles broke up, and they had a rough recording of it. And anyway, long story short, using some AI voice uh, mimicking, or anyway, a voice generator, they were able to isolate John Lennon's singing and then recreate it through artificial intelligence. And coming up in, uh, in a few weeks here... Paul McCartney and you're gonna have John Lennon and you're you're basically you're gonna have an unreleased Beatles song finally being released. Wow, that just sounds so cool. Yeah, almost unbelievable.
2: And I would uh, like to hear what their thoughts are on that.
1: Well, actually, no. Paul McCartney's all in. Oh, really? Yeah, he's oh, okay. he's part of this. Oh, okay. he, he's part of making this happen. So he's all in on it. Of course, John Lennon uh, long since passed away, but I mean, this is. This, to me, when there's stuff like that, and I, I keep thinking, okay, one of my favorite singers, Rich Mullins, who passed away back in 97, and there were some rough cuts of him working on a project that became known as the Jesus re- Record that other people finished. And they incorporate some of his rough recordings into other artists singing these songs that that Rich Mullins wrote. And, I mean, there's, there's some amazing songs. Wouldn't it be cool now to take... Rich Mullins uh, extract from those things and actually have Rich Mullins singing his own songs again. But, of course, there's other concerns around that with, you know, copyright. I get that. But from, from a standpoint of a music guy, it's like, oh, that'd be so, so, so cool. Anyway, we want to continue talking about AI and actually a really good article about that at plugged in and when we talk plugged in we usually talk with Adam Holtz who will be with us in one minute here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Okay, somebody texted in, okay, they're called bad dad jokes for a reason, and yes, I'm missing Carmen. <laughs> okay, I guess, uh, I, guess I, I go back to the other side of the uh, board on Monday when Carmen returns, but uh, I'm Paul filling in for Carmen and joining me now, Adam Holtz from Plugged In, also a bit of a uh, uh, dad joke guy, if I understand correctly. You got one for us, Adam? I do, I do. It's my favorite joke. And I don't know that it's a dad joke. It's just a weird joke. But it's sort of
2: a, it's kind of a, I don't know, some sort of a sorting tool. Uh, How many fish does it take to change a light bulb? Hmm. No, no, no. I got, so, okay, let me try it again. Yeah, see, I butchered the joke because I'm tired. (laughs) So my brain's not awake yet. How many surrealists does it take to change a light bulb? What's a light bulb? No, no, fish. No. Fish. <laughs> okay, there you go. No, I used to... <clears throat> Anyway, uh, I'll try harder next time. Okay. Clearly my career my career in stand-up maybe is on pause for
1: the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least you're not dealing with chemical dependency. I mean, I, I used to be addicted to soap.
2: Well, I'm clean now. Just caffeine. Just <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's a good
1: <laughs> joke. Anyway, okay, I was talking before the break here about— <laughs> AI and okay, you have an article up about that um, at uh, plugged yeah. in or one of your your peop- one of your writers do because we love our AI. I mean, okay, I like the fact I can Google search. I I like some of this, like I mentioned, uh, with possibly a new Beatles song coming out. I mean, that sounds kind of cool to me, and it's possible because of AI. Uh, should we love our AI? Well,
2: I think it's like anything. Technology is a tool, and I would say there is the argument that technology, generally speaking, you know, if we're talking about nuclear bombs, maybe not, but is generally neutral, right? And and so I think that needs to be our sort of baseline stance. And then just like we see in in scripture, we need to evaluate what is the fruit of that. And if if AI is designed to aggregate and synthesize information, like I watched the TikTok video of you know, will AI play a role in the end times? That was pretty interesting. (laughs) It was, wasn't it? Um, I mean, we've gotten to the point where AI can synthesize and gather information really almost at a magical level. And, Mm -hmm. And I think it goes both ways. There may be times when it can accelerate research or accelerate our process of gathering things but it still needs oversight and we still need to verify whether the information it's gathering is true. And I think, unfortunately, we're going to very, I I don't want to get apocalyptic, but I think I'm less worried about the Terminator sci-fi outcomes than I am about lots of different industries saying, well, we don't need people anymore Mm because AI can do this much cheaper, right? And so I think this is going to be a wrecking ball to a lot of white collar knowledge jobs where, you know, the perception is going to be, well, we don't need people for this anymore, but I think that you'll also see AI making big mistakes and maybe people will walk it back a little bit and say, well, maybe it's not quite ready for prime time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think on the, the on the theological level, Paul, you know, we have a desire for transcendence. We have a desire for relationship and AI, as we talk about in our blog, can functionally mimic some of those things, but it's not a replacement for no. it. But you know, in a world where we're addicted to technology and where people often let us down, it's not a leap to see how you might find some people who say, you know what? I think I'm gonna trust the robots and not humans. Mm. And uh, I get that impulse and we've had lots of sci-fi about that, right? And <laughs> yes, we have. There's a huge amount there. So I do think we are drifting into a kind of sci-fi territory. I don't think we have to be hysterical. I don't think we embrace it with open arms. I think that we need to look at it as believers with a sort of cautious realism. You know, what's the benefit here and what do we need to be really aware of so that it's not used against us? And, you know, could AI be a factor in some AI kind or some sort of end time scenario? You know, I can make that leap, but I'm also I'm more worried about living faithfully today than trying to figure out if we're in the end times or not. I'm just, that's above my pay grade, personally.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, you brought up the issue of, does does the uh, AI always have the correct information? Now, this is, this, this will kind of blow you away, but I, I'm i friends with a man named George Yancey. He he actually has been on our show before. He's a sociologist out of Texas, Christian sociologist, and just a brilliant guy. And he's been playing around with uh, Chat GPT, and he, um, he asked it to write a paper on a certain topic, and it did, and it cited yeah. sources, including it cited him. Except he never wrote the citation or the article. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. it, it just it, it was just kind of weird for him. So he, he he's he's been like I said playing with it on and off, and it's like he's still not overly impressed by it. So.
2: Well, I mean, there are multiple lawsuits right now against the makers of ChatGPT because it has said defamatory things that mm-hmm. weren't true. And, yeah. and you know, with lots of cultural things, it ultimately comes down to the lawsuits, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not talking about the trans conversation, but there are a bunch of lawsuits in Great Britain that have pretty much shut down the conversation about, you know, miners transitioning. Yeah. We talked about that this week. You know, ultimately the bottom line is when the money gets involved, people put the brakes on things. And so Mm -hmm. I would like to think that we would be wise enough to put the brakes on. And I know the EU is considering a number of rules. We're talking about it here. But, you know, when the bottom line starts getting hurt, that's when people wake up and start paying
1: attention. Yeah, true enough. Well, again, we're talking with Adam Holtz from Plugged In. And if you go to pluggedin.com, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff there. If you're wanting to know about IT or uh, rather uh, IA, yeah, they have that article we've been talking about. Also, okay, maybe you're thinking, hmm, some new movies out this weekend like uh, Element and The Flash. Anything I need to be. Concerned about? Well, we're going to talk about that next with Adam Holtz here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, All available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen.
1: This is Mornings without Carmen one more time. Don't worry, Carmen back on Monday. She will not be telling dad jokes. Again, we're talking with Adam Holtz from Plugged In. Adam, did you hear the one about the airplane? Or
2: you... I I don't know if I did or not, but uh, I got one ready for you.
1: Well, if you didn't hear about the airplane, don't worry. It's probably over your head. Oh, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> so,
2: well, Paul, do you know why Cinderella doesn't play soccer?
1: Uh, no, why doesn't Cinderella play
2: soccer? Because she's always running away from the, the ball.
1: ball. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Perfect for an entertainment guy to do. There you go. Right, <laughs> right. So, there we go. Well, again, thanks for joining us. Uh, as we look at entertainment, and okay, if you go to Plugged In, it's not just movie reviews or TV shows. You got mu- music videos, you got books and stuff up there, plus the blog. And speaking of books, um, American novelist Cormac McCarthy passed away, and um, he's been an interesting person. I've been told by many people, a lot of people of faith, you know, you should read his stuff because he has some interesting insights. Uh, Tell us about Cormac.
2: Well, he's a guy whose stories may be better known to some if you're not an avid reader because they've been made into movies. You know, we saw The Road with Viggo Mortensen um, and – no country for old men back in I don't know 2006 or seven somewhere in that neck of the woods. He, I would say, has for most of his career had kind of a, a hardcore nihilistic perspective. His stuff is pretty grim. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, I think if there's a benefit in the nihilistic perspective, it's you know being willing to look unflinchingly at suffering, and call it for what it is. Now the downside is there's no hope there, right? You know, Mm -hmm. so you may get, you may get truth telling on one level, but you're not going to be left with anything that inspires you to press on through it. It might just make you, you know, think really grim thoughts. So, uh, but apparently fairly close to the end of his life, uh, he wrote a couple of books that began to talk more about the possibility of transcendence and, The possibility of connecting with god i think i think it's uh within bounds to say we're not calling these christian novels or anything like that no but but it sounds like there's a turn and and i think the thing with with nihilism and atheism is it actually takes a weird kind of courage to keep not believing right Mm -hmm. and and as you approach the end i can't help but think you naturally um ponder those big transcendent questions and the what ifs and and maybe you want to crack the door open to hope that there can be something bigger and something better and more hopeful out there and it, and it sounds like from from some of what I've read maybe there was a slight turn in that direction toward the end of Cormac McCarthy's life but his earlier stuff is incredibly well written I actually tried to read The Road a number of years ago and I'm, I'm telling you what the guy can flat out write but yes. it was- so It was so grim that that I had to put it down. I mean, I did the mm. same thing with Game of Thrones. I tried to read the first Game of Thrones novel just to see what all the hubbub was about. And it just was so dark. I'm like, mm. you know what? Life's too short. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so.
1: All right. Well, maybe Father's Day weekend uh, includes maybe taking your kids to a movie. Uh, well, there are a couple of. Big movies out this weekend, and uh, Adam Holt from Plugged In. uh, Okay, there's two major ones. One is one of those Pixar movies, Elemental. Tell us about it and and some things our parents should know. Uh, The short
2: version is it's about a world where everybody is one of four elements, earth, wind, fire, or water, and a girl from the fire people and a young man shouldn't say a girl. She's a young woman from the fire people and a young man from the water people fall in love. And as you can imagine, a relationship between fire and water is uh, complicated. But uh, this is a movie that I think tries to use those obvious differences as um, a platform to talk about racism, to talk about immigration, to talk about diversity, I think mostly in a good way. I liked the messages here uh as we have come to expect from disney we do get a reference to an lgbt relationship Mm -hmm. one that's that's explicit we get a female character talking about her girlfriend and several others that it appears to you know that there are perhaps same gender characters who have paired up but because we're talking about animated elements uh it's not as clear as it might be you know in a, a more realistic movie so uh, some nice stuff here, I think, in terms of Pixar's um, production. This is not a classic, and I've seen lots of mainstream reviews that aren't interested in the things that we're interested in. It plugged in, basically saying Pixar has kind of lost the lost the scent here. Mm-hmm. So okay. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. If you got Disney Plus, if you haven't canceled that yet, it might be worth just waiting on that one.
1: Okay. What about The Flash? Uh, here we go, DC, Marvel, or DC Universe type stuff. Um, and this one has been kind of long, a long time coming.
2: Yeah, well, Ezra Miller obviously has had very well publicized um, problems. We'll leave mm. it there. You can Google it if you want to find out more. Um, and this was supposed to come out, I think, as far back as 2018, and they had production problems. Then, of course, COVID happened. Basically, uh, The Flash is, you might think of him as kind of a B-tier Justice League uh, member. He can run fast, and, and that's really about it. I actually, surprisingly, I went into this movie with zero expectations. Uh, I thought it was pretty well executed. Uh, the story revolves around him trying to save his mom. She has, uh, in his childhood, she was stabbed to death by a murderer, And it's haunted him, and his dad is now in prison and about or about to go, has been in prison for the crime, and and maybe things are about to get worse for his dad. Um, And he wants to, you know, prove his dad's innocence. And it turns out when you can run really fast, I guess you can reverse time. Mm -hmm. But we all know the bad things happen when you go back in time. And he runs into a younger version of himself, and the two of them team up to try to save his mom's life. Um, It's an interesting movie about, uh, I really think, fate versus you know free will if you will or predestination they don't approach it at all in a spiritual way but uh i think you could have those conversations i really liked ezra miller's portrayal frankly uh he's been pretty obnoxious in real life but (laughs) i the movie worked for me uh the but here is that there's a lot of profanity and i guess speaking of of that word i just used he uh, he burns off his clothes running too fast in one scene, and we actually get a kind of extended scene with him not having much on at all and mm. not being very covered. And I was pretty surprised. You know, you can only go so far in a PG-13 movie, but uh, they
1: were they certainly it.
2: they certainly play it up for the humor factor. And uh, I don't think most of us want to see naked superheroes. You know, that's mm, not why, why it, we no. go to those movies. So those are the content issues here.
1: All right. Well, Adam, thanks again for keeping us informed. And of course, if people want to read more in on these reviews and others, PluggedIn.com is the place to go. Adam, again, thank you for joining us here on uh, Mornings with Carmen. And by the way, if you believe in telekinesis, raise my hand.
2: I like that. That
1: one. Like yeah. That. Cute. Thanks to uh, Reverend Bob for sharing that one on our text line at 877-933-2484. <laughs> this is Mornings with Carmen. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in one more time. Carmen back on Monday. Of course, you can always listen to Mornings with Carmen on podcast as well. You can find that at MyFaithRadio.com, on the Faith Radio app, or wherever you get your podcast. You know, talking about podcasts, uh, Pew just put out some new research looking at the popularity and what are the most common types of podcasts that people really, really, really love. Well, believe it or not, true crime podcasts, like Serial, maybe you've heard of that one, That's probably the most popular. 24% of people going to podcast look for that Ten uh, percent politics and government entertainment pop culture and the arts nine percent self-help and relationships eight percent yeah there's a fair amount of people like sports histories stuff like that religion you know mornings with carmen okay there's one category that say multiple topics i think that would be us because mornings with carmen do we talk about politics and government yes entertainment we just did that with uh, adam holtz uh relationships yes we do that money and finance on occasion all this stuff but we, we try to apply the mind of Christ to those uh, issues as well. So something a little more holistic when it comes to the multiple topic podcasts. Well, oh, that's 20% of people. So it's one of the larger groups. So I guess if you're going to put it this way, the true crime is not listening to Mornings with Carmen or maybe subscribing to the podcast. You can do that, too, so you get it automatically to your – to uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Well, coming up next here on – Uh, Mornings with Carmen, you know, one of the reasons we like celebrating things like Mother's Day, as we did last month, or Father's Day, even with people who aren't our, you know, biological moms and dads, they mean a lot to us. Moms and dads, the the mentoring, the guiding, the interplay between the different generations is so vital to us as humans. But why do we we so often silo ourselves into our respective generations, especially in our churches We want to talk about that in just a few moments with uh, Holly Allen. Holly is uh, one of the authors around a new book called Intergenerational Christian Formation. And how can we be more the body of Christ together across generations? That's our conversation in a few moments here on Faith Radio. Okay, has this happened in your church where you're in your Bible study in one room and then you hear a lot of loud noise down at the end of the hall from the youth room? It's like, really? (laughs) I'm Paul. This is Mornings with Carmen. And again, the question is why aren't, why isn't your class and that youth group interacting? Right now joining us is Holly Allen with uh, Lipscomb University, and she's one of the writers in a book. This is, I guess, a second edition of The Intergenerational Christian Formation. And we want to talk about that because oftentimes we're so, I don't know, siloed. And is that the best way of not just doing ministry, but being the body of Christ? Hey, Holly, thanks for joining us this morning on Mornings with Carmen.
3: Thank you for having me. I'm really
1: enjoying being here already. (laughs) Well, back, I I keep going to Deuteronomy uh, 6, you know, the famous Shema statement, if I'm saying that correctly, some people will correctly, but, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. But then it goes, verse 7, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Now, when Moses said this, he wasn't just talking to a mom and dad and, you know, a little around a coffee table. He, he was talking to the Hebrew nation as a nation, saying, you know, to have this holistic view of intergenerational stuff. But, okay, you go to a Sunday morning, oftentimes, like I mentioned, you have your Sunday school over here. You have the youth group down the hall making, making too much noise. You, you have uh, the children's ministry doing their thing. There's not a lot of interplay. How did we get here with a siloed ministry concept?
3: Well, in the 20th century, uh, there were several parachurch organizations before mid-century that were doing what we would call now youth ministry, but they weren't church-based. Mm-hmm. And there were lots of success and drawing a lot of young people, and churches said, we can do that. So probably the youth ministry move was first, saying we can meet their Psychosocial needs, their you know social needs, their emotional needs, their spiritual needs. Um, their questions probably in a, a separate setting better than we're meeting would meet their needs with all of us together, and it was pretty successful. Um, probably in the seventies, youth ministry kind of came into its own. But then, following that, the same reasoning, developmental, which is what do children need? Are we meeting their needs? We thought well. Maybe we're not meeting their cognitive needs. We're not meeting their developmental needs, their physical needs, their mm-hmm. m- movement, various kinds of things. I was part of that in the 80s. I began a children's church where we were worshiping. I We brought the children out during the sermon time, and I thought, oh, they can learn better uh, in a setting that's meant for them. I have repented of that, but at that <laughs> time. <yeah. laughs> Much more is going on when we worship together than three points in the poem at the end of the sermon, that they are, you know, really participating in a way that we hadn't really anticipated. I was looking at the cognitive piece. And other developmental pieces more than I was the spiritual piece. So that was my reasoning at that time. Those were some of the reasons why we began to separate. And then we took that same developmental idea and said, well, what about, you know, emerging adults or single adults or our senior adults? We need to have special things for them. I'm not trying to throw out all the special age and state programs, but... We went too far. The pendulum just, you know, it has just swung too far, and we separate. And being siloed is a really good word if you think of the Midwest, and where the silos reach up into the sky, and they're separated out from everything else.
1: Yes. I grew up on a farm, so I know all about silos, so that's not a problem. (laughs) Again, Holly um, Alan is our guest right now as we're talking about intergenerational Christian formation. Now, a lot of churches will say, well, wait a minute. We have multiple generations in our church that's different from being intergenerational so what are you envisioning when you talk about helping us understand intergenerational
3: probably two words will help us the most a mutuality and reciprocity and we're what we're looking for situations where all the generations can interact together uh, in a mutual way sometimes we have the children go to the front and sing a cute song and then they leave and we think oh we're so intergenerational But we're really just letting them have a part to be cute. We're not saying they have anything really spiritual to offer. Mm. And children do, youth do, our oldest, uh, of course, do. We've not made a place for them to share mutually with us, with the understanding that you and I have something for each other, and which leans into reciprocity, the idea that our giftings are of equal weight and balance, Uh, Not just cute and then send you away, but what do you have? What gifting do you have that will bless us, that will grow us up, that will make us more like Christ? We've assumed that adults have that and they teach children, but we really, it's spread across all the generations. So we're looking for ways that what children and youth and, you know, now Gen Z, our emerging adults and millennials and Xers and boomers and the older generations, what do they have all of them have that we can lean into and grow from. We can help grow each other up. We've just not had spaces and places for that, especially for our youngest and our teens. And I would say also the oldest. Hmm. We sometimes retire our older people and, you know, ask them to continue to give, of course, but otherwise, you know, sit down and sort of be quiet. Um, They have so much to offer and they want to give. So hearing from and assuming that what we all have to give to each other, is of equal weight and importance.
2: Mm.
1: You know, it's, uh, Holly, as you're talking about this, uh, last month, Carmen had the opportunity to talk with Tim Elmore about cross-generational um, interaction, especially in the workplace, diversity in the workplace. And he was really advocating the idea of two way mentoring because oftentimes we think okay I have a mentor in work he's the senior whatever he's been there for years and he's helping the the young up and comer who doesn't know anything to learn the ropes and his says no he was saying no 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 there's a lot of things this young person does know this this gen Z this uh, gen uh, uh you know millennial that knows that the older person doesn't know and and so they can have this cross pollination of wisdom shared back and forth, and this is what you're talking about in the Christian setting, correctly? Correct? I am. We call that co-mentoring in our book. Uh, it's a
3: word that Chap Clark uses, that it's not just mentoring in our usual understanding where the older person is mentoring a younger person and the younger person is you know, has their cup out being filled. But he called it co-mentoring, so that it's a back and forth. Yes, that's a lovely way of saying this.
1: Mm. Again, we're talking with Holly Allen, and she's one of the writers of the book Intergenerational Christian Formation. When we continue, I'm hoping, Holly, you can share a story about how this played out as a church. Should we say— reoriented themselves to go back to being a, 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 a intergenerational congregation. That and more coming up as we continue here on Faith Radio.
0: When Jesus teaches us to pray that God would forgive us as we forgive others, what does he mean? What does our forgiveness look like? And how ready are we to forgive or how fast are we to forgive? How many times do we forgive the same person for the same offense against us? Living out the life of forgiveness can only be done if we stand as forgiven people before the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus. In Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. As far as the East is from the West, so far has God removed your transgressions from you. That's grace. That's great. And God intends that we would extend to others a measure of what we have received. So, how has God forgiven you? How often? How many times for the same offense? Then who are you to hold someone else's sin against them when God in Christ doesn't hold our sins against us? Unforgiven and unforgiveness are literally no way to live. So join the forgiveness flow today. Ask God to forgive you and forgive others as you have been forgiven by grace. Praying together at MyFaithRadio.com.
1: Becoming one body across generations within your congregation. That's what we're talking about now here on Faith Radio. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen, and we're talking with uh, Holly Allen from Litzcombe University and one of the authors on the book Intergenerational Christian Formation. I believe this is the second edition, but painting a vision for having that cross-generation ministry and mentorship and just spiritual formation. I mean becoming more like Christ, and we need each other for that. Now, Holly, you mentioned you used the phrase before age-stage ministries, and it's not that you're getting rid of that, because I, I know there's a lot that we can get by being with peers like ours who are at, for example, in children's ministry, being at the same developmental level and having the resources and, and the teaching focused around that, but you're not saying that's wrong. How do we still keep those needs met, the age stage needs met, by st- but still going more intergenerational?
3: Well, all of the needs won't be met. Oh, okay. uh, and don't recommend exclusively being intergenerational in all settings at all times. I do think there is an important place for the age and stage ministries, and spiritual formation happens there as well. It's just that we miss some pieces of it. We don't hear the stories of those. Ten years ahead of us, twenty years ahead, thirty years ahead. We need to be hearing the stories. So I'm not, you know, opposed to that. It's it's a both and. Mm -hmm. But even in your intergenerational settings, being aware of the developmental stages of all the different generations that you have in your groups, leaning in here and there, making sure to include people, being aware that everything you talk about can't be about marriage because you have a lot of people that are not there or Mm -hmm. were there married, or you have your singles that are. You know, for 15 years, they're single before they marry. So we can't assume that everybody's married and has kids. So just being aware that everybody's not in the same stage helps as you prepare what you want to do. And then, of course, you must take into account that if you're going to have three-year-olds, you can't have a long discourse on any biblical passage. Or if you have children up to age 10, doesn't mean you can't spend time in the Word. It's just it won't sound and look like what might happen on a Sunday morning in a, in a long um, adult Bible study. Hmm. but just generally being aware is what I would say. Okay. But we've overlooked what we
1: all bring, and that's what's been missing. Hmm. That is, that is. And let's let's flesh that out because stories are sticky, and you and your church made this shift some years ago. Can you describe that shift, how it played out, and the fruit you saw?
3: Oh, yes. This has changed my life. We were part of a church that— Um, was intentionally intergenerational. We didn't call it that at the time. We weren't really aware of that language, and actually it wasn't being used. But we wanted all the generations to be together and began to meet in small groups on Sunday evenings. Um, We were fairly small to start with, and we began growing. But every Sunday evening, uh, we met with our children and anyone else. We had a lot of singles in this church, a lot of singles again, and Uh, just hurting broken people, but we had, you know, everybody there in our small groups. And every week we ask kind of an icebreaker question, you know, what are you afraid of? Everybody in the room could say, my name is Holly and I'm afraid of dogs, or my name is Justin and I'm afraid of the dark. Um, And, you know, those don't have to be very deep, but sometimes over a period of weeks or months, uh, we began to know each other quite well. And you said, my name is Holly. And and so the children and the teens and the adults began to know each other on a first name basis and hear our stories. And sometimes, you know, knowing somebody's favorite ice cream is not imperative, of course, for life. But then that leads to deeper things like the week that we talked about, what are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. Ministry had time for the little boy who said, I'm afraid of the dark, a sixth grade girl came over and just talked to him, said, I was always afraid of the dark and I've been praying and God's been taking away my fear. One of the dads came over in the group. His dad, this little boy's dad was not there that night. And so another dad came over, put his arm around him, prayed for him. Mm -hmm. And a college was a brand new Christian, looked up with kind of astonishing look on her face and said, I was reading in the Psalms this morning and I I have a, a Psalm for you. And she read and said, you know, I go to sleep and I'm unafraid you keep me in your care. And it was just Astonishing moment for her. It was her menis- first ministry moment. And this happened in the icebreaker, but everyone felt free. We'd been meeting for some months, so it was a very easy kind of thing. But that happened in the icebreaker. And then after that, we would always pray for each family group there, even, you know, like a teen that would come without parents. But every family group, we didn't do our, you know, like marriage counseling praying at that time. You know, that's not when that happened. But every week something's happening uh, in every family, Uh, just, you know, trying to get everybody together for dinner. So we'd, we'd pray for everyone every week in groups and children began to learn something I had never seen before in my children's ministry work in my children's church. They began to pray with and for their parents and other adults. The teens also began to pray with and for their parents and other adults. And the children and the teens and all of us learned to minister to each other in ways that we hadn't known how to do before. It was an astonishing four years that we spent with this church. We, um, It it, We just learned about each other. We lived into each other's lives. It blessed us astonishingly. And those relationships just impacted my children. They began to hear stories of people in their 20s and 30s and 40s, and they became real people to them, not just wah, 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 you know, the Charlie Brown thing where adults (laughs) are talking way above your head. They became real people. And my daughter said many years later, they were my friends, not just my parents' friends. And it changed all of us. It didn't just change the children and the teens. It changed all of us. I was at a conference last week and ran into several people who were part of that church for those four years, and they still look at those four years as the touchstone, the spiritual marker of their lives. And everywhere they go, they want to take that forward. So it, it was, it, it led me to change my career. It led me to this passionate interest in bringing Um, the generations together. Uh, So it was a work of God among us, but in me and in, I think it was a work he was doing in lots of places. It's just that he kept calling people into it. And I was one of the ones who said, I would like to do that. And he's called others. And many of us now are saying some of the same things. It's happening all around the world.
1: I'm just soaking this in. It's just, it's a beautiful story. Just seeing yeah, kids can be ministers too. We can minister to each other. And that that mutuality, that's what we're looking at. Okay, we're, we're talking with Holly Allen again, one of the authors behind the book, Intergenerational Christian Formation. Now, to be honest, the book is aimed primarily at ministry leaders. But Holly... If we as members of a congregation don't have a vision for that lively, organic give and take, you just describe their vital relationships, this won't work. So can you help in the, in the last two minutes here cast a vision for us how to apply this more readily even now in our lives, even if our church doesn't right away, what we can do as just average Joe and, and Jill church member?
3: Well, you hear mentoring a lot, but is if we as older people would look at people 10 or 20 years younger than we are and just lean into their lives, ask how they are doing. If you're in your 20s or 30s, the teens really are looking at you saying, how do you live your life? What does it look like to be a mom or a dad with children or to work you know, in a, a stressful work situation and still lean into Christ? They're already asking those questions. So if we, if we were in our 20s and 30s, would look and say, who do I see um, around me who I can talk with and see wh- where it sticks? I mean, you can talk with 10 or 20 teens and it'll maybe only stick with one, but that's something anyone can do in a church. If you are in your 40s or 50s, it's those 20s and 30s who are saying, "How do you how do you lean into life as a married person with children and working? How do you do this? Can you tell me how Jesus fits into this?" Look for those, listen for those. And if you're in your 60s or 70s, the 40s and 50s are saying, "How in the world did you ever get through the teen years? How and how did you manage retirement? How did you empty nest? What does that look like? How do you Again, uh, reach into what Jesus is doing in your life. They're listening. They're looking. If we were more actively looking, we could do that cross generational, that co mentoring. But it's it's intergenerational. That's something everyone can do. If you host a a small group in your home, invite the children to come Mm -hmm. and the parents. Oh, this is our free time. This is what we (laughs) know. There are ways to do small groups without preparation. With but you can draw the children in, and those children and the adults will realize the mutuality and reciprocity that can happen, as I described a few minutes ago. Oh.
1: So, no, uh, Holly, I wish we could talk so much longer. So much wisdom there. But again, again, Holly is uh, one of the authors of Intergenerational Christian Formation. Uh, I'm sure you can find that at Amazon and such. But again, Holly, thank you again for joining us and casting this vision of again this cross pollination, cross generational uh, model of having church life together. So beautiful.
3: Thank you for having me. It was just wonderful.
1: You're welcome. This is Mornings with Carmen. We'll wrap up in a moment. Okay. One more. (laughs) One more dad joke before we get out of here. Okay, Ryan, I, I just ordered a chicken and an egg on Amazon yeah I'll let you know. You did get that one, <laughs> I hope, right? Yeah, yeah which yeah. comes from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <there> we <laughs> well, I hope you have a great Father's Day weekend and above all, remember to honor our Heavenly Father, together. Um, Again, thank you for listening. Remember all the podcasts here at Faith Radio available at MyFaithRadio.com, whether it be Mornings with Carmen, Susie Larson Live, Afternoons with Bill, and do subscribe to them. And again, have a great weekend. Carmen's back on Monday here on Faith Radio.